that I really... The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Just give us one hour, and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about the annoying yellow smiley face. No, 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 no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Before we bring on today's guests, I want to invite you to join the conversation live by calling in at 877-864-4869. Again, that's 877-864-4869. Four eight six nine. You can log into our chat room by visiting toginet.com, and it says live chat. Click on there, and you can come right into the conversation that way. You can follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen and HH Talk Radio, or tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. All right, today is a is a very interesting show for many reasons. Every week is an interesting show, but we're focusing today on resiliency and how to thrive in spite of life's extreme curveballs. And I want to start out with a little story because Memorial Day just passed and I went into my Memorial Day weekend thinking I was going to spend it on the beach with my family, relax, serene, no work, all play, and being a couch potato. I ended up in the emergency room. I thought I was having a heart attack, but no, no, I had to to have an emergency appendicitis. And this is where we are dialing in on today. What happens when life throws us these crazy curveballs and things don't go as planned, or worse yet, they go horribly wrong? And joining me uh, as my first guest is Dr. Robert Biswas-Diener. He's somebody that I personally know and love. He is a mentor of mine. He is widely known as the Indiana Jones of positive psychology because his research on happiness has taken him to such far-flung places as Greenland, India, Kenya, 
and Israel. Dr. Biswas-Diener is a leading authority on strengths, culture, courage, and of course, happiness. He has published dozens of artic articles, scholarly articles, I might add, and multiple books on diverse psychological topics. He is best known for his pioneering work in the application of positive psychology. Dr. Biswas-Diener is the foremost authority on positive psychology coaching and has consulted with a wide range of international organizations on performance management and leadership development. To learn more about his work, visit PositiveAcorn.com. Good morning, Robert. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so let's talk about this whole thing when life throws the curveballs. You know, what, what do we do? How, do? how do we manage? And what, is the, what are the markers of somebody who is able to become resilient in the face of adversity? Sure. Well, let me start by just saying, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your appendicitis, <laughs> speaking of, of curveballs. Well, it wasn't a heart attack. See, there, there's that reframe thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that, that I mean, your story um, actually is, is pretty fruitful to talk about because um, it's suggestive of at least one strategy for, for sort of picking yourself back up in the face of hardship, which is, you know, some of some of your ability to be resilient has to do with how you think about things, and, and you can listen to yourself just say, wow, I, at least it wasn't a heart attack. Um, you know, that's kind of putting a positive spin on it. Um, I don't think resiliency is only about positive spin, but I, I certainly think that that can be one element to it. And when you work with your clients, people like this that are going out in the world and coaching using applied positive psychology, what are some of the interventions that you introduce in the trainings uh, that help us help people better cope with life, better cope with these strategies when things go horribly wrong? Sure. Um... I'll tell you, one of them that I'm quite fond of, and, and I'm not sure that everyone um, agrees with me about this, especially because I come at this, you know, I, I say I have a background in happiness research and happiness intervention. And so people expect me to be, uh, I think, you know, this kind of really upbeat, enthusiastic, fun kind of person. Uh, and to, to, to some extent, I am. Um, but I tell people that, that there's certainly room in the world for, for the negative and unpleasant emotions as well. I'm not in any rush to, to scoop past those emotions. I know some people think, oh, no, I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling frustrated. How can I just immediately run and be happy? And I don't think that you necessarily should immediately. I, I think it's okay to, to realize you can tolerate a little frustration. You can tolerate a little disappointment. And some of those negative emotions are pretty helpful to you. They're, they're signals that things aren't going right. Um, and we want those signals. We want to be able to pay attention to, to the fact that life is, is veering off from what we have expected. So, so I, I first caution people. It's okay to sit with a little bit of negative emotion. You don't want to feel it chronically or every day, all the time, or very intensely, uh, and it's unpleasant to feel. But I start by just saying you can feel it, and you shouldn't rush past it. It's okay to be bored for an afternoon. It's okay to, to be a bit angry um, when it's justified for an afternoon. Um, having said that, once you kind of 
accept the role of, of negative emotion. You don't want to get stuck there and you don't want it to, to be pervasive in your life. And I think just having a kind of a flexible approach to life. I mean, that if you think that, that one of the most important ingredients to success in life is being adaptable, um, just being flexible, this, this kind of uh, adaptable, improvisational spirit, I think is one of the greatest things that people can, can develop um, as a skill set. And the byproduct of that, I would say, is a more joyful experience of the living. You know, that happiness is, becomes the byproduct of that, that it's not some happyology. When you're able to morph and bend and be flexible like the wind, the experience of our daily existence is a, a lot easier. Yeah. In fact, I often encourage people not to do what I call the, the heavy lifting of, of happiness. Um, a lot of people go out and, and, you know, kind of seize happiness as if happiness is the goal. And I offer them the same caution that I offer people who might want to go out and make money. Um, instead of just making a bunch of money, you have to understand that money is a, a, a means of exchange. You want money so that you can get other things that you truly desire. And, and I try to focus people on what those things are. Is it a trip to Hawaii you want? Is it to send your children to college? That's really what you should be focusing on rather than this intermediary step of amassing money. And, and happiness is, is a little bit of the same way. I think that um, people who just want to go out and get happy and be happy um, sort of miss the, the ultimate end, which is what's that happiness for? What's that happiness a byproduct of? Um, so I think that, that happiness is good, but, but really happiness stems from your, your relationships, your connections with others, some feeling of contributing uh, via your work in the world, um, being pro-social, you know, these types of things. Let's talk a little bit about coaching versus traditional psychotherapy because there are so many coaches out there. There are so many people who are going through these short-term certification programs, hanging their shingles, and they, they, they may be very good at what they do, but there is a difference between a coaching program and having a trained psychology background and how one is uh, based more in the processing of emotions, which is essential, and the other is more mission-driven, which is also essential. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. Uh, coaching is a field that, that is really taking off. Uh, I just read yesterday um, a large international study that suggests that coaching has increased by about 30%. That is, there's about 30% more coaches now uh, than there were five years ago. Um, and that, as a, as a rate of growth, is huge. I mean, if, could you imagine if suddenly there were 30 more plumbers, 30% more plumbers in the world, or something? I mean, it it, it just seems like uh, it, it, it's really, really taking off, um, which I think is both good and bad, really. Part of the, the yeah, go ahead. Well, as I say, I want to talk about the the, the, the pros and the cons of that because um, people who present themselves for coaching. Do coaches have a responsibility to know a certain amount? And we can, we'll continue on with this into the next segment. We're going to go to a break shortly. Um, a certain amount of um, information about mental disorder in order to say, look, I, I cannot treat you. I'm coaching you. And coaching is something very different. Yeah, well, I think fundamentally coaching is a profession, and that means it carries with it um, all the, the onus of responsibility, the burden of a profession, which means 
an ethics code, uh, an established skilled set, a responsibility to get continuing education. And part of that is understanding the boundaries of your own competence, understanding what you can and cannot provide for people. And that's why I think that training is so important for coaches. I agree. We're going to go to a break in about 10 seconds, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the differences between um, therapy, traditional therapy, and coaching, and the responsibilities that uh, that uh, apply to both of those professions. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Here come the tunes. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are speaking about the gifts of resiliency with Dr. Robert Biswas-Diener. And prior to the break, we began um, a conversation about the similarity and differences between traditional psychotherapy and coaching and the responsibilities that are different between the two modalities. So, Robert, let's talk a little bit about the similarities and differences in both coaching and clinical psychology and the need for regulation in, in some way. Sure, absolutely. So um, in many ways, coaching and, and traditional psychotherapy look quite similar, uh, you know, more or less. They're, they're two people having a conversation, one of whom um, uh, is sort of leading the conversation, facilitating it. And I think that on the coaching side, coaches would view themselves as facilitators who um, really are expert just in, in facilitation skills. That is sort of tracking where the conversation's going, asking the right types of question, and, and leading the client into a certain degree of, of self-exploration, um, primarily looking at their processes around work and their effectiveness, what their fears are, what holds them back from success. 
And in that way, it actually resembles psychotherapy um, a, a fair amount because psychotherapists do the mu- much the same thing. They, they prod the client to, um, to introspect, to understand their, their relationship with other people, understand what holds them back. Um, with, with psychotherapy, however, there is a more intense focus specifically on mental disorder, on, on depression and anxiety, for example, of a clinical magnitude. Um, psychotherapy is more likely to, to, use, um, to use pharmacological interventions, you know, pills, um, as, as uh, an adjunct to, to the talk therapy. Um, but I think that if someone came from outer space and looked at both of them, they would they would think that they looked um, very very similar, if not identical. But within each profession, I think that people are very very keen to to parse them apart. Um, there is a, a bit of a turf war between these these two professions, and I think psychologists, um, because of their um, more in depth training um, in in both science and intervention modalities would would sort of be a bit skeptical on average of coaches who um, who are far less regulated um, and there's there's far less consistency in their training in general and let's talk about the regulation and the consistency and the quality of training that is variable like you say out there in the world yeah. So, so within within coaching, um, there are professional bodies. Um, the probably the most famous of which is the International Coach Federation, and and its goal is to professionalize coaching. Uh, so, what it does is it provides a standard code of ethics, standards for training. So, schools that have the the ICF endorsement um, have to offer um, various types of classes, including classes in ethics. They have to offer supervision. People actually have to take a, a practical assessment, a test in order to get their, their certification as a coach. So there, there is some degree of, of quality oversight. Um, it's, it is, however, not necessary that you become certified. Um, and, and I should also point out that just because you're certified doesn't also, um, you know, mean that you're going to be an extraordinary coach either. Um, but, but I think going through a formal training process um, is is generally helpful for a profession, especially a profession like coaching, where you are fundamentally tinkering with people's psychology. That is, the the possibility that you can cause harm is as real there as it is in in psychotherapy. And I think that that's a, a responsibility that coaches should take very seriously. So so I'm I'm generally in favor of some type of regulation of the field. I agree, and I find in my own work, the work I do with with everyday people, but with veterans, more importantly, people who have been challenged by trauma, including post-traumatic stress disorder, that it is essential, like as you say, if you're tinkering with someone's mind, that you have the skill set in order to deal with what is present and to know uh, one's limitations, what what you can treat and, and, and deal with and what you cannot yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, to a certain degree, all of us can say a kind word to someone or something reassuring. You know, if you talk to a veteran who, who has PTSD, you, you can, you know, extend your well wishes to them, say, gosh, I'm so sorry that you're going through this, or, you know, I, I, I hope you get better. 
and that might be quite therapeutic to them, that feeling of support from you. But that's also a, a long way from um, really understanding the, the, the sources, the etiology of, of PTSD and how best to treat it. You know, how much should you or shouldn't you expose them to the, the trauma itself by, by talking about it? Um, how do you how do you kind of um, help them manage their emotions? Those are things that I think um, you you do need a fair amount of, of expertise to, to understand. Now, fortunately, coaches spend most of their time not dealing with with those types of issues. They're they're normally talking to sort of everyday people um, who are basically free of of um, you know mental disorder or, or clinical disorders like like severe depression or severe anxiety and we're dealing um, with with more run-of-the-mill kind of concerns someone's just worried about something at work someone's you know a little bit trepidatious about owning their own business things like that of, of more garden variety concerns and I do find though that applied positive psychology coaching the work that we're speaking of um, when it is used in a combat trauma recovery environment or creating a wellness plan after war that these young men and women are really taking to this that because it's not focusing on what is wrong with life it is working hard to cultivate a life where things work properly and smoothly and better than before and it's been very very successful yeah, absolutely. And and this is one of the areas where I think that that psychologists can let go of the reins a little bit and and um, you know, but coaches of all sort of stripes and varieties can basically do this. So so I think looking at someone's strengths would be a perfect example of this. It's something that that people are pretty good at doing anyway. Um you when you compliment a friend or you tell them what you admire about them, when you uh spot real potential in a child, um these are things that we're doing on a day-to-day basis, and it is essentially strength spotting. Now, it happens to be that strength psychology is a portion of positive psychology, the field of positive psychology, but that doesn't mean that non-psychologists should be barred from from entry into talking with people about their strengths because the, the potential for harm is, is quite low in, in that respect. Indeed. I'd like to bring on our next guest to join in the conversation because she has comes to coaching from a very different angle, although it is extremely relevant. And it is, uh, we're asking Cheryl Hunter to come on now. Cheryl is a best-selling author, speaker, and high-performance expert who specializes in providing Fortune 100 caliber coaching for individuals. Her expertise is in guiding her clients to architect a very specific blueprint for their businesses and their lives that produce dramatic results in a very short window of time. Cheryl was drawn into her work as a result of her own life path. She overcame a traumatic, life-altering experience that ignited a strong desire to contribute to others. Cheryl, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's such an important conversation that you're having. Well, and I want you to jump right in because your story is extremely relevant to the the coaching process and the success that you gained from it personally and the gifts that you're able to give through your own knowledge and 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 wisdom to to your from your experience. Well, my own experience, I I, I was abducted as a teenager while traveling overseas, and my own experience certainly was the it was the precipitating factor that launched me into a lifetime of personal growth and development. But 
it's, you know, that was simply the spark. And then I began training myself initially to get myself back back to the surface, if you will, to, to get, as, as a method of getting oxygen. You know, when you come, coming back from any traumatic experience, there was, there, there was, a, there was a, a process necessary to, to, to get back to normal and then to create a life you love from that place. And therapy was one of the things that was, was most helpful. But I, I, I found that as I continued to grow and develop myself, that there was something about the world of personal development that, to which I, I, I'd not really been in, in, exposed in depth before, but I found that it gave me life and the people around me were given, being given life as well. So I continued training myself in that, that field and then thought, finally, this really would be a career that it just seemed like the, the most natural self-expression to turn what had not worked in my past into a real gift for myself and, and for others by, by giving that away. We all deal with circumstances that we wish hadn't happened. And I, I felt that it gave me a unique perspective to help people move through difficulty as well. But more importantly, to be able to design their lives in ways that work for them and make the biggest positive impact for them and those around them. Um, we're going to go to break in a couple of minutes, but before we do, I wanted to just do one more little setup to the story with your permission, Cheryl, and explain that you were a model, that you were abducted in Europe, I believe it was, um, when you were overseas working as a young woman. So this is a very dramatic story. And uh, I had well, no. Go ahead. Yes, I had. I was just. It was. I was going over for the first time, and and. I'd gotten to France, and a man with a camera around his neck approached me. And I was looking for a way to get out of my small town in Colorado and, and stay somehow in the big world. And he asked if I, were, if I was a model. And, uh, you know, I stood there dumbfounded. I thought, well, he's got a camera. Maybe he knows what he's doing. And mm. he said he could make me one if I went with him and his friend over there. And yeah, I, I had... I thought they were creepy, but I was a teenager, and I thought, this, this has got to be my big break. I'm going to have to suck it up and go with them anyway. And we, Cheryl, hang on to that thought. We're going to go to break, and when we come back, we'll continue with the conversation. And I want to talk to both Robert and Cheryl about do coaches need coaches, and where do you go for that mentoring and assistance? You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio to learn more about Dr. Robert Biswas-Diener and his scholarly work and trainings. Go to positiveacorn.com. On Twitter, he's at Positive Acorn on Facebook as well. And for Cheryl Hunter, please visit CherylHunter.com. And her Twitter handle is Cheryl Hunter. And Facebook page is Cheryl Hunter Fan Page. You're listening, as I said, to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Here come the tunes. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to fight. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes.
likes to win, enter our weekly contests at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook, where we give away our guests' books, music, film, and products each week. In addition, we also do great Harvesting Happiness giveaways, like free coaching sessions with Lisa Cypress Cayman, Lisa's Books, Happiness First Aid Kits, H-Factor Where Is Your Heart documentary film, Happiness is an inside job product, including the Sterling Silver Infinity Bracelet that benefit Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, a nonprofit whose mission is to assist our returning military personnel and their loved ones challenged by combat trauma and other post-deployment reintegration issues. Join us at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness, because happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, please consider downloading this podcast on iTunes because we're talking about something really important, and that is resiliency and how to thrive in spite of life's extreme curveballs. And I'm here today with Dr. Robert Biswastiner and Cheryl Hunter. Dr. Robert Biswastiner is known as the Indiana Jones of Positive Psychology because of his research on happiness that has taken him around the globe. And Cheryl Hunter is a coach who's been working for many, many years in the field, training high-level executives and individuals um, based on her own uh, early adulthood life experience, uh, where she thought there would be a better way to bring herself to a new normal after what she experienced. She was inspired. So we're talking about the coaching profession versus traditional psychotherapy and where the coaches go when they need mentoring, when they need help. So I open, I open the floor to you guys to talk, talk amongst yourselves about it. I know where I go. I go to Robert. So <laughs> is everybody there or nobody's there? Am yeah. I there by myself? <laughs> so Robert, when you get up, where do you go? Um, I, <laughs> well, I have a coach um, that I see from, from time to time. Um, and I do that just because I think it's healthy to experience what being on the other end of, of coaching is like. Um, I also um, have gotten supervision in the past from, from a master coach. And then typically the most common thing I do is peer consultation. I really recommend to people that if they're coaching, they never coach alone, that they're part of a network and they're part of a profession. So um, at my own company, we have trained coaches. So anytime that we come up with something that I would consider a yellow flag as opposed to a red flag, um, ethically, we talk about it because our, our motto here is we treat all yellow flags as if they're red flags. So anytime that, that someone on staff has an issue that they just have a little doubt about or it just seems a bit off, we, we have an open discussion um, about it. And I, I think it's, it's just wonderful to be able to plug in with other people and get their opinions so that I don't have um, the burden of making all those decisions alone, which I think can potentially get you into trouble. 
Um, I do have a We appear to be having technical difficulties, at least on my end. So I'm hoping that you're still there, and Roy will tell me wh where we are in the ethers. But Cheryl, I don't know if you're if you're speaking or you've chimed in, or you can even hear me. Can you hear me? I, I, I guess sure you can. can hear can me. you hear me? Um, well, the question is for Cheryl. Uh, where do you go? Where do you go? I can. I can. Where, uh, and when you I, are in need of support or bouncing off ideas, where do you go? Do you have a coach, or how do you how do you nurture yourself so you can in turn nurture your clients? I have a coach that I work with on Life Matters, and I have someone who's a coach specifically for my business. And I have uh, I've, I've built a, a network of coaches with whom I interact, and some of them I bring in to fulfill jobs and corporations. I've, I've trained them, and, and I we work together as a team. But I I very much like Dr. Bruce Westiner. I I also consult with them on coming up with the best curricula, coming up with the best ideas, coming up with things that will best serve serve the clients. I think it's a, it's a real collaborative field, and keeping that in mind, I think, really makes a difference. Each one of us has an angle that we'll bring to something or our own perspective. But I think seen from the vantage point of other people who've also been in the business for some time themselves, it can bring a real view that that can make a well-rounded difference in people's lives. And I ask these questions not to probe into your personal lives, but to illustrate the point that none of us is an island. That in order for each one of us to be the best that we can be, we need to surround ourselves with people whom we respect, people who can deliver information to us in a way that we're receptive to hearing it. And that's what I hear from both of you, is that you reach out into your community, to your peers, and that makes all the difference to you. And in turn, that is what enables us to do the same for our clients. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Um, let's talk about how do we choose the right coach. Cheryl, <laughs> give, us a, give us a couple of tips. What, if the interviewing process, you know, what to look for. There, there are so many coaches now. And I think one of the thing that, that, things that that heralds that's a good thing is that people are amenable to change. They see that this is a viable path to getting what they want in their businesses and in their lives. And the thing that's perhaps not so great about it is that there is, as you pointed out earlier, no real certification body. There's no one minding the, the way that coaches are certified. You can buy online certifications in spend less hours than a weekend and become a master coach in two weekends. And I, I, have a little different view of mastery than that. So I think that interviewing clients or viewing their testimonials, see what results that they cause, find out where they have, in fact, been trained. And the questions you're asking today are so brilliant. Who is your coach? What do you, you know, find, find out what they've done, what their track record is, really. I think it all comes down to the results that we facilitate in our clients' lives. And if you can get your hands on those and they seem to have a resonant approach to life, I, I, that's, that's a good place to start. 
Agreed. And Robert said something important. I think it was in the first or second segment about you could have a coach who may not have a lot of formal training, who may be an incredible coach, and conversely, somebody who has a ton of formal training and really suck at it. And I'm paraphrasing because Dr. Biswastina would never say <laughs> suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true, right? I mean, it's really a, 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 a very interesting thing about coaching. And just, it's the same with psychotherapy. You can have somebody that has a, a, a pedigree education and is really terrible at, at, at doing the traditional therapy. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that one of the things you have to look for, in addition to everything Cheryl said, which I agree with, um, is fit. Um, obviously what you're looking for is, is someone who's going to offer you something that you're comfortable with. Um, and clients might have different styles. I mean, you might want someone who really um, holds the bar high for you and, and sort of cracks the whip and, and is a taskmaster. Or you might want someone who, who's quite soft. Um, and who's very accepting uh, because you're a little bit nervous about um, disclosing personal information. So, so you want someone that's going to be a good fit for you. And unfortunately, I don't think it's easy to look at online profiles or, or websites and necessarily get a sense of that. I think there's a certain amount of bleed on coach websites where coaches um, start to kind of look the same after a while. I mean, they're all saying, I can help facilitate your goals and dreams. I mean, it, it's sort of just saying what we all do. Um, so I think that you do have to do a little bit of legwork, a little bit of interview. How long have you been in the field? How many clients do you have? What do you like best about it? What's your personal mission? Those types of, of questions. Oh, I like that. The, the, the mission, you know, that is a really good question to ask because it's not only the, the, the mission for the client, you know, to, to realize their dreams and aspirations, but the, the mission that the coach holds for him or herself as to how they want to help facilitate it. And it's different for everybody. Yeah. Um, it really is. It, 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 it truly ahead. is. I want to ask both of you, because your uh, backgrounds are so different and you come from such different places, you both came to coaching Robert through a more traditional uh, path because you are educated as a, as a psychologist. You come from a family where there are psychologists in your family, and you, uh, you decided to uh, really work the coaching model. And I want to ask you a little uh, one question. Why? Um, when I was, when I was, uh, doing graduate school and I was looking, I mean, I was, I was being trained in clinical psychologist. I was a student therapist. Um, I knew that while I think it's a noble profession, I, I just could tell that it wasn't for me, um, as, as a modality, um, and, and nothing against people who, who suffer from depression and the like. Uh, I, I think therapists are, are generally doing great work, but, um, I just knew that that I I, I wasn't going to be the best fit for people, even though I, I have some some very decent skills. Um, and what I wanted to do is really really talk about success rather than emotion management or relationship management or processing difficulties. Um, and coaching seemed like like the the natural the natural field for me. Um, fortunately, everyone in my family accepts me just fine, but I, I will tell you that I have gotten a fair amount of pushback from therapists um, who, who are 
pretty eager to um, sometimes kind of sweep me aside as, as not a real practitioner. And let's stay on that for a second, because that's really, really important. And I think it is changing a bit, though, as, as time has gone on and as positive psychology has become more accepted as a science. I think that has changed the perspective as well with working in applied positive psychology coaching. Yeah, absolutely. And, and therapists are increasingly interested into stepping into coaching, and many of them um, with clients that they've seen for a long time that have sort of been through the, the brunt of, of, you know, they walk in, you know, day one with terrible depression, and, you know, over the course of months, they, they deal with it effectively, and towards the end, a lot of what the, the therapist is doing looks like coaching. Um, it, it starts um, transitioning from dealing with this this problem into sort of setting up, uh, you know, the life I want and achieving my dreams type type of thing. So, so I do find that that therapists are increasingly interested in, in coaching. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation of the um, coaching versus traditional therapy conversation. But I also want to add one little tidbit, another little story. We are working with um, some nonprofits in Africa regarding the children of war, the child soldiers. And the favorite textbook of one of the women who runs a nonprofit in, um, in Africa is a positive psychology uh, handbook. And I, I can't remember which one it is, but she said that is the single most effective tool that she's been able to use with the kids that she's working with. And by kids, I mean these are boys who were abducted and conscripted into the war Be when they were between 8 and 12 years old. They come out of the war, they're between 18 and 22, which, is the age, which are the ages of the kids that we're dealing with in our U.S. military when they go off to war, and how successful positive psychology has been in their recovery process. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. When we come back, we'll continue with that and more. Here come the tunes, 76543. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to fight. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. 
Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download the podcast of this episode because today we're talking about resiliency and thriving in spite of life's extreme curveballs with Dr. Robert Biswas-Diener and Cheryl Hunter. And we're talking about the coaching model, that coaching is a very suitable model for contemporary society when we are very busy with our lives, with our families, and in pursuit of of the good life, as Robert likes to call it. And I think that it is hospitable to, to um, modern society to work with a coaching model. It really cuts to the chase. It's like, what do you want out of life? How, what are you willing to do to get there? And, and then moving from that place, which is a, a proactive place. So um, please, um, let's talk about the, the relevancy of coaching in, in contemporary life, because there really is a fabulous place for, for it. It's efficient. It's cost-effective, and it really gets the job done that so many of us are in need of. Go ahead, Cheryl. Isn't it a wonderful time? It's, it's, <laughs> it's a wonderful time that we're becoming so open to the difference that this can make and really committed to living our best lives. And, and it's, I, I think that's why there are so many coaches now and why there is so much talk of coaching all the time. It's, we, we've taken this model that works from sports or in the corporate world, and, and now people are applying it in their everyday lives. And it's, it, it is having us fulfill the things that, that matter most. And, and it's, you, you mentioned such a great point, Lisa. It's something that can be quick and fit the modern-day lives that we're living and, and have us fulfill upon the things that matter most to us because the things that matter most to each of us, I assert, are the things that most positively impact those around us. For you, for example, it's the beautiful work that you're doing with those in the military. And when you're empowered to do that, it does that, it, it, it impacts all those around you. And I, and I look at this and, and we're talking about, you know, how do you, how do you ensure that you're choosing the right coach and that coaches are governed themselves? And yes, those are essential points. But the, the reason we're having that conversation in the first place is because there's so much coaching going on and because ultimately there's so much empowerment going on. And this is the perfect – coaching is, is really the perfect mode for many people who have a stigma towards therapy but still want to better their, their lives. I, I love therapy. I think it makes a profound difference. And one of the things that it, it is helpful for a coach to be able to, to discern is which clients are right for them and which are best suited for a therapist. But it's, it's just encouraging that this is the state of the world these days. I want to talk about the stigma because that's what the, the blaring word that's going off in lights in, in my head, that many people have a stigma associated with reaching out for help. That's not even therapy. It's just for saying, I need help. I'm stuck. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And coaching offers uh, an opening to step through into exploring that discomfort in that place and shaking things up and, and, and moving energy around it. 
And, and yeah, many ab- people do absolutely. feel that it's an indication of something being wrong with them, that they need to augment what they're doing. But rather, it's the opposite. It's a very attained state to be able to say, you know what, what I'm doing isn't as effective as it could be. I need a, another set of eyes to guide me on the path to cause the results I'm committed to for myself, my family, my community, and in the world. And as Robert said, you know, uh, in one of the earlier segments, that the discomfort is not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually a good thing because it's our, our body and our brains telling us life as it, it is is not working and we need to do something. The, the critical point is being able to know that it's time to go out and get the help that we need to succeed. Beautifully put. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that today there's sort of uh, success is more possible than at any time in, in history. We have more social and financial mobility, more geographic mobility. Technology helps us. And, and one of the downsides of that widespread potential for success is there's an increasing perfectionism and an increasing drive for success that I think can be burdensome to people. Um, and, and I think a byproduct of that is the idea that they feel that they have to be self-made um, or they have to do it alone and that, that if they get help from somewhere, that's sort of somehow cheating or it invalidates their success. But I, I think that throughout history, you know, there's been apprenticeships, there's been tutors. Um, I, I think by and large, people um, are not islands and people really do uh, get help from others. No one is truly self-made. And I think just realizing that uh, helps you give yourself permission to, to learn from others, to, to allow yourself to, to be coached, to have a facilitator, to usher you through the change process, um, and that that's not a sign of weakness. And what happens when a coaching client suddenly divulges uh, the presence of another issue, another mental problem, such as a panic disorder or drug or alcohol abuse? You know, what what takes place typically? I know the answer. I'm asking you guys the answer um, (laughs) (laughs) when that happens. Do you want to go first, Cheryl? Sure. Thank you. I I bring my clients initially to to, and and ask them to, to really be upfront as to what they're, what they're dealing with, what they're contending with in life, to ensure that there's nothing like that going on. And I let them know upfront that if that, those are the kinds of things that they're dealing with, I'm not the person for them. And I'm here to certainly remove stumbling blocks, certainly to identify non-serving habits and to habitualize the behaviors they want to habitualize, but I'm not equipped to do that. Despite decades of training, I have no idea what to do with someone in that case, so I refer them out. And if someone should reveal that in the the middle of it, it's never happened because I tightly screen them, but I would immediately reach out to one of my therapist friends and and colleagues and, and, and come up with some solution because it's not, coaching is not the place for that. Well, I, I think it's it's not the place for that, although coaching and traditional therapy can go hand in hand, especially when you're working with people that have a dual diagnosis, that they may be doing just fine with their therapist. They may be on medication that's being managed, and they may want something more that they're not getting in a traditional therapeutic setting. Coaching can be a wonderful augmentation of that, and that's what I like about it, especially for the demographic that I'm working with. 
Yes, just for clarification's sake, what I don't mean is that they, someone dealing with those issues should not be coached. What I, what I do mean is that coaching alone is insufficient. Exactly, exactly. And especially when there is extreme trauma and there, there may be suicidal ideation, we have a responsibility as coaches to refer that out and specifically not manage those things, that, to make sure that they're getting the help that they need. So there is re- quite a responsibility through this work that I know that we take very, very seriously. And this is one of those places, I think, that that the adage that, that we live by um, here in my company, treat yellow flags like red flags, um, does sometimes happen. Because I, I agree with Cheryl, you, you should definitely be screening your clients, asking if, if they've ever been in therapy before, some of those um, types of questions at the outset. And that can help you sort of screen out people who might not be a very good fit for coaching um, because they're dealing with other pressing issues. Or it might help you um, to work in concert with their therapist. You know, you'd, you'd sign a release of information so that you could be discussing with the therapist um, what each one of you is doing. Um, but having said that, this has happened to me a couple times that people have walked in uh, to my office and, and for all intents and purposes, they are problem free, but problems have developed over the months. So in one case, I had a client um, whose husband cheated on her and uh, she developed depression. And, and this was, you know, something that she then wanted to start talking about. Um, obviously, it's not what she had come into me for, but I had to call a timeout and, and discuss with her sort of the boundaries of my competence as a coach. Um, and not to say that my heart didn't go out to her. I didn't lend her some sympathy, but treating her for depression or um, really even um, unpacking this idea of infidelity with her was beyond the scope of, of coaching for me. And this is something I definitely consulted with peers around and spoke very openly with my client around um, as well. So I do think that, that even despite screening, it, it can crop up from time to time. We have uh, run out of time, and I want to make sure that I give all of your contact information to our listeners once again to learn more about Dr. Robert Biswas-Diener and his scholarly articles and multiple books. Please visit him at positiveacorn.com, where you can learn also about his trainings that he does worldwide, which I have participated in and recommend highly. Um, on Twitter, he is at Positive Acorn. On Facebook, it is Positive Acorn as well. And to learn more about Cheryl Hunter, please please visit CherylHunter.com. On Twitter, she is uh, Hunter Cheryl. And I think I said Cheryl Hunter earlier, so I apologize. It is Hunter Cheryl. And on Facebook, it's Cheryl Hunter fan page. And I want to ask you each one question, and you get like the five-second quick from the hip response. And then I have a couple of closing thoughts before we part. So, Cheryl, what makes your heart sing? Uh, When people are free, (laughs) <laughs> free from the constraints of the past and fulfilling their highest vision for their lives. That's beautiful. Thank you. Robert, where is your heart? <laughs> Time with my kids. Uh, I, I feel like they're on loan to me. One of them's already an adult. The other one's a teenager. I, I see the grain slipping through the hourglass. My time is limited, and I want to make the best of it. Very cool. Wow, I can't believe that one's already an adult. That time has passed too quickly. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. 
Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, Cheryl Hunter, and Dr. Robert Biswas-Diener wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And I want to thank Kelly St. Clair and Roy from Toginet. They make me and this show and everyone who participates in it look amazing and sound amazing most of the time. So thank you for your work. And next week, what have we got coming on? We are going to be with Dr. Lissa Rankin, and we're talking about integrative medicine. So it should be a really great show. She's got a fabulous new book out, and we'll chat away with her next week. So make it a great week. Thanks for joining us. Nobody got no time anyway. Somehow. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts.